0: 200-some kids that come over here on a weekend, Uh, that is quite a trust that God has put in our hands, um, and we have quite a responsibility uh, to pour into the future, to help them come to know Jesus. Um, If you are not serving anywhere, I can't think of a better place to start, a better way to touch the future and to touch the world than to serve in our uh, children's ministries. So get over there and grace, kids, and make a huge difference uh, if you want to see the world change. So we're in uh, this last week of our series, I Am Ready. And uh, we're going to talk about being ready for the storm. And uh, storms really aren't that uh, big of a deal, right? I mean, if you are inside, uh, it doesn't matter. Like, anyone have kids who are afraid of thunder? You know, you just want to tell them, you don't have to be afraid, right? We're safe inside. But but if you're outside, uh, it's another story. And I, I just wanted to remind you of the power of a storm. Go ahead and play that, please. <laughs> the it's not that the that Brian and are. I think we need to go with Yeah, that is a delightful ring yeah. there. I'm pretty sure that last one was your ray there. So you know, uh, one time I was hiking on top of uh, Wetterhorn, you know, and it's about, it's over 14,000 feet and it just came in from nowhere. The lightning was there and the hail was there. And you know what it was? It was terrifying. It, I mean, where do you go and what do you do? And you're, if you're ready for the storm, it's not that big of a deal. You go inside and you're just fine. But if you're not ready, if it catches you by surprise, wow, look out. So we're going to look actually at Paul goes through a a horrible, life-threatening storm. And it's actually on his fourth voyage, uh, Acts 27, if you have your Bible, Uh, we're going to take a look at this. And so, he um, was arrested, and uh, he said, he appeals to Caesar, they're like, okay, we're going to take you from Jerusalem, and we're going to send you over to Rome, and so he's on this ship, and so I'm going to just bring up a, a little map of that, because we're going to look at the whole account here in chapter 27, and you're going to see a lot of names of places, and as you do, I just want you to have kind of an idea of what's going on. So I thought this was a pretty good map here. So you see Paul, he starts over here, down near Jerusalem, on the far bottom right of the map, and then uh, they, they go up to Sidon, they do a okay there and then around Cyprus there they're having trouble. They're up against headwinds and they get to Myra and uh, it's getting late in the season and then they come back around the side of Crete and um, that's where they're really struggling and they come into Fair Havens and uh, the idea there at the bottom of Crete there is that uh, they're going to get up to Phoenix and um, from Phoenix they'll get uh, themselves over to Rome but what happens after Fair Havens is there's a big old storm that comes in and it just pushes them out to sea and they wander around there and over end up over at that island there called Malta. And eventually they get there, but that's kind of the path. I just wanted to show you that. Um, and there, if you go to chapter 27, we'll just pick up with him uh, on this, ver- this journey. So it's Acts 27, verse 3. And uh, so we're going to look at a pretty big chunk of scripture here throughout the morning. But I think, I mean, this is like the stuff of movies. They need to make a movie of this. This is a pretty incredible account. I think it'll, um, it'll talk to you. So in verse 3, the next day we landed at Sidon and Julius and kindness to Paul, so Julius is overseeing Paul here, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. Remember, he's a prisoner right now. From there, we put out to sea again and passed the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia in Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. There is There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days, and we had difficulty arriving at Snidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the lee of Crete opposite Salmone. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Silla. So here we've got him coming up against these headwinds. And see, one of the things that you have to understand about life is that storms are going to come and storms are going to go. And so you are either in a storm right now or you are heading out of a storm or you are heading into a storm. Now, there's good things, too. I mean, there's life, and there's valleys, and there's refreshing between those things, but the storms are just a part of life, and you see that they're up against this resistance. There's this headwind, and have you ever been going through life, and you're just like, it just feels like I'm pushing against a headwind for a season now, like financially. You ever been in a financial headwind? Like It's just like, why do all my appliances break at the same time? right? Probably because I bought them all at the same time when they all broke last time. I don't know, but that just happens. Or, you know, like relationally, you get into a headwind. It's like, who who passed out the memo that everyone is supposed to go insane at once in my family? What, how does that happen, right? And then there's just this headwind and you're pushing. But you know, a headwind actually, if you feel like you're getting resistance and you're pushing forward right now, something's coming against you, it actually is an amazing opportunity for you. See, the, the first thing that you get to decide in the middle of the headwind, so you know the finances are pressing or, or the work is pressing, you get to decide, who am I gonna trust in the middle of this headwind? It's a great clarifier, like to decide, okay, what am I about here? Where is my source of joy? Or, or another opportunity for you is, is, how am I going to lead myself and how am I going to lead my family through this thing? What an amazing opportunity. I have a friend right now who's uh, just moved into a, a significant leadership role in ministry. And it's, it's interesting to me. You know, I'm just kind of watching and encouraging, cheering him on as he goes. And it's like as soon as he stepped into it, like all the crazies are coming out of the woodwork and like coming after him. And, and I, I'm just, I mean, I'm not laughing, but I kind of am. I, mean, I was just like, th- that's just how it goes, right? Because it's a time for you to clarify, who are you? What are you about? What are you going to do in the middle of this storm? And so headwind actually brings you some opportunity. I was listening to a, a sermon by Charles Stanley. Now, he's passed away, so it was a recording uh, just last week. And he, it was, In his typical way, he says, you know, if you're comfortable and if you're complacent and if everything is going along just fine, what you need is a good problem. Like, yeah, thanks a lot, Charles. I need a good problem, huh? But, but a good problem is always going to bring growth, right? Because your muscles are not getting stronger and bigger when you're in bed. And so your faith isn't getting practiced. Your faith isn't getting stronger as you're just sitting there on the couch and everything's going good. And it's in that headwind that actually your faith gets to be practiced. And your faith gets to grow in the middle of that. And you get to clarify, what am I all about? What am I going to live for here? So here's the bad news. Storms are going to come. And here's the good news. Storms are going to go. The wind will change. Okay? And if you're in a storm right now, listen, the storm is going to pass. I have a, a good friend. Um, his name is Dave. And he doesn't live in Montrose anymore, but he did for a while. And uh, he came into, uh, I have a little D group. It's just men. We get together, hold each other accountable. And he came into my D group a number of years ago. And his wife of 25 years had just died of cancer. And he was... The only way I could just say he was just dripping with grief. I mean, he was so heavy. And every time that he would come to that group, I mean, that's all he could talk about. And you could just see, he was just so weighed down. And in Psalm uh, 73, he said that this was kind of his verse. This is what got him through, and this is how he felt. And this is really, it's a pretty accurate description of him as I remember him when I got to know him. So Psalm 73, verse 21 says, When my heart was grieved, and boy was he ever grieved, and my spirit was embittered, and this is a really good description of Dave when we met him. Is I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. I mean, he was just overwhelmed and crushed. Yet, verse 23, I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. And I want you to understand, that's not just Heaven. I want you to understand that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living of the living. That you'll see his glory here. And whom I have in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. If you don't haven't memorized this next verse, I would encourage you to memorize it. My flesh, my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Now, Dave went through just, I mean, he was just crushed. But I watched him move forward and over years I saw him start to rise again and actually he's remarried and now he's living in Hawaii with his wife and and I said I asked him okay can I can I tell your story and then he sent me this text he says I am blessed beyond any expectation thankful for all he has done. I am so amazed by his patience, his love, and his grace. And Cindy, that's his wife now, and I agree. Catch this. We are enjoying the best time in our lives right now. Now, isn't that amazing? You are going to go through difficult times, but I want you to understand there is new life on the other end. There is good times coming afterwards, all right, so you're going to go through the storm, and, and sometimes those storms are crushing, and you can't even stand up against them, but you will make it through, and you will find life. God is a restorer. He's a resurrector, and he brings hope in the middle of your storm. All right, let's jump back into our exciting account here and see what happens next with Paul. So we're, I think we're on verse 9. And he says, much time had been lost. Okay, so we've been dinking around with these winds and and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. I love, you know, this isn't Paul's first rodeo and uh, he's been on a boat before. And you're going to see that throughout. That actually serves him pretty well, that um, he knows what's going on uh, with sailing. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Just a little side, if you have to decide between following Paul's advice or someone else's, go with Paul, okay? All right. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. And when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. We did it, guys, good choice. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and we were driven along. And as we passed the lee of a small island called Kata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. And when the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together, fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of citrus. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship just be driven along. So the ship is falling apart. And have you ever been in a place where this massive storm comes and it doesn't matter how hard you row, it doesn't matter what you do, it just seems like it's just going to take you where it's going to take you and you just kind of have to ride out the storm. And this very thing that they're trusting in, that they're standing on, is starting to crumble beneath them. And see, sometimes that's the change that happens in these storms. Your finances just start to fall apart, or that job falls apart, or that relationship, or those people fall apart. And you're like, okay, well, now what do I stand on? What do I do now? As these boards crack below me, what what do I do? Now, wisdom says, wisdom says we'll see. All right? And and that's a pretty good idea. I I think it's mostly true. All right? So here's the old proverb. You maybe heard this before. So probably have. Okay? Pretty famous. So the farmer, you know, this poor, poor farmer, he has one horse, and the horse runs away. And the neighbor comes over and says, oh, how horrible that you lost your horse. You're one horse. You're a poor guy. That's all you have. And, And the farmer says, we'll see. We'll see. And then the next day, that horse comes back, and it has two wild horses with it. Now he's got three horses. And the neighbor comes over, he says, oh, how wonderful. Look at now, you you didn't have any, and now you've got three, isn't isn't that great? And what does the farmer say? We'll see. And so then the next day, uh, the farmer's son is riding one of the horses, trying to break it, gets bucked off, breaks his leg. Neighbor comes over, oh, how horrible that this has happened. And of course, the farmer says, we'll see. And so then uh, the next day, uh, the military comes to conscript his son. And they say, oh, well, he's got a broken leg. We don't want him. We're not going to take him. And so the neighbor comes over and says, oh, how wonderful. Look at you. You didn't lose your son here. And he says, we'll see, right? Now that's traditional wisdom. We'll see. And you know what? I think that's good. We'll see. We'll see what God's going to bring. We're going to see what's going to come out of there. And it's okay. But you know what? It's actually uh, there's something a little better for the spiritual man and the spiritual woman. You and I actually take this to a different level because maybe we'll see. Maybe we won't see. Maybe we'll understand, maybe we won't understand. Maybe you're going to know why it's happened. Why it happened. Maybe, maybe you have no clue for the rest of your life. Is it good or bad? Maybe you'll never know. Maybe you'll see. But this is what the spiritual man, this is what the spiritual woman says in the middle of those difficulties. It's not, we'll see, it's, I'll trust. See, we've got a whole different level of going through our storm. We, we have a whole different source here. And in the middle, yeah, okay, maybe we'll see. But if I see or not, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust my God. And I'm going to trust that what I'm going through, God knows. And I'm going to trust that God always helps. And I'm going to trust that God protects. And I'm going to trust that God always, always, always works. Romans eight twenty eight, He is always working for us. And God is strengthening me. I'm going to trust that. And God, I trust that God is shaping me. And I trust that God blesses things back to me. And He restores me after I go through these difficulties. And if we see or not, it doesn't matter. Listen, we're going to trust. That's how we go through storms. And your storm, listen, it will bring change. But you're ready. You're ready for any storm that comes because you know where your trust lies. You know where to look in the middle of it. You know how to go through change. And not all change is good, and not all change is bad. And I think about Dave, my friend, and his, you know, he used to talk a lot about, well, it's a new normal. He learned that in Grief Share, trying to learn this new normal. And every time he said it, you can just tell that the new normal was horrid. You know, the new normal was unbearable. But he has a new normal now. And now actually it's pretty good. And see, God's got, you know what he has for you on the other side of your storm? Pretty good. Not just pretty good, great. He's got wonder in life. He's got freedom. He's got hope for you. That's who he is. But unfortunately, sometimes it's on the other side of the storm, right? All right, let's see what happens to Paul now in our riveting tale. So let's get over to 18, verse 18, where we left off. And it says, we took, excuse me, such a violent battering from the storm that the next day, we began to throw the cargo overboard. Okay, things are getting serious. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. You know you're in trouble when, when the things that uh, you're used to to drive the boat and help the boat are just like, well, get rid of them with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And after men had gone a long time without food, food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, You should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. See, even Paul can't avoid saying, I told you so there. (laughs) Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. It's two powerful lines right there. I have faith that it will happen just as God told me. But that's interesting. He says, but we're going to hit the sand. It's coming, Right. And one thing you have to understand, there is purpose in every single storm. And I'm not saying that God sent every storm. I'm not saying that God did it to you. But you can find purpose no matter what you face. God always has a purpose. And see, in the storm, since God always has a purpose, you always stand on the promise. That's pretty good. I'm going to say that again. Since God always has a purpose, you always stand on the promise. And Paul had a promise. He's like, I can't die in this ocean. I'm going to go to Rome. God promised me. I already know. I, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm going to get there. So I'm not dying here. And he told me, you're not dying here. And I want you to understand that you cannot be ruined. you know why? Because you have already been restored. And in the middle of your storm, you cannot be forsaken because you have already been found in Jesus And no matter how big and bad this Northeastern is that comes and, and tries to destroy life, you cannot be destroyed because you've already overcome death. No matter what happens, you win. No matter what happens, you win. But verse 20 shows us the real danger. The real struggle. You see it in verse 20 there. Now, now we usually think that the real struggle is our job or our family or our money or, you know, these things that, that we might lose. But the real struggle in the middle of the storm that you have to fight for, follower of Jesus, it says, and we finally gave up all hope. That's the real fight in a storm. The real fight is the fight for your hope. Will you go through your storms with hope? And we always have hope. See, this is why you need to have hope. Because as you're in your storm, you know what hope will do? It'll endure. It'll go forward. And the storm will end. And God will bring you out of it. And you need to continue in hope. Because you know what hopelessness does? It quits. And I think many of us know people who have been stuck in their storms for 10, 15, 20 years, right? Because they gave up hope. They gave up hope that they could go forward. And see, hope is going to embrace the lesson. Okay, Lord, you have something for me in this storm. You know, hopelessness embraces bitterness. And if you're going to embrace bitterness, I mean, you might as well just take concrete and just put it around your body, especially your heart, and just stay there because nothing's going to come in and nothing's going to come out. You're just going to be full of bitterness. But hope knows there is a purpose, and not not only that, but it looks for a purpose, and I am going to find my purpose in the middle of this. And hopelessness will find despair. There's no reason why even go forward. And the angel comes, and Paul said, we, actually Luke said, we, including Paul, gave up hope. And God is so gracious, he sends an angel. He says, Paul, we always have hope. Remember? Remember what I said? You have a future. We always have a future. Whatever storm you must face in your life, you always have a future. You always have a hope. Don't ever, ever, ever give up your hope. It is your right as a follower of Jesus that you always have hope. And Paul was reminded, there's a goal for you. You're gonna be my witness before Caesar. You know, a cool thing about it is that on top of that then, because of the storm, he gets to go minister in Malta for about three months. Heals the guy. Brings the gospel to a new place. He gets bit by a snake and it doesn't do anything to him. And God God even uses that, this detour, in the middle of it. So right now, if you see the storm building, if you're in the middle of the storm, listen, this is what you do, is you keep your eye on the goal. And let me give you a goal. Okay, in the middle of it, you see him and you see you. See, the goal is him and you. And what I mean by that is His glory, your growth. That's what we're doing. No matter what we face, His glory, your growth. I have a, a number of friends who have either passed from terminal disease and illness or are in the middle of it right now. They're facing it right now. And it's just been amazing to watch a number of them say, just gonna make sure He gets the glory. Lord, would you just use this, use this to bring glory to your name. And in the middle of it, bring my growth. Whatever you want to do in me, God, go ahead and have your way. And listen, at the other side of this, there's a new job. There's a new place. There's a new way for your finances. There's new relationship and connection. There's new community, okay? But, but in the middle of it, you always, the home base is always his glory, my growth. You're going to get to all that other stuff. But as you write out the big thing, his glory, my growth. All right, let's see what happens here to Paul now. I think we are in verse 27. So on the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending that they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Now, what I think is going on right there is like, hey, we need a crew to get through this right now. Don't let them go and uh, don't let them bail on us. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. And just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Isn't it good sharing the promise with others? And after he said this, he took some bread, gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. Listen, they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. And when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Now we have refuge And we have a shelter in every single storm. And what the sailors did is what many of us try to do is that they want to take matters into their own hands. And they're like, come on, let's save ourselves. Let's get in this boat and get out of here. And one of the things, if you uh, talk to uh, Calvin or I, in the middle of, if you're going through a crazy difficult time, one of the things you'll probably hear one of us say is, okay, don't make any big decisions right now. Now is not the time to quit your job or to leave your spouse or, you know, it's now is not the time, right? And we just got to settle down right now because in the middle of the storm, you're going to make a decision out of fear. You're going to make it out of anger. You're going to make it out of your need for control. And you know what it's going to be? The wrong decision. Because nothing born out of fear is ever good, right? It's all born out of love. It's all born out of faith here. So it's almost always the wrong idea in a storm to like make some radical change. And so they are like, well, quick, get in the lifeboat. Wrong decision. So we look to the Holy Spirit. Okay, Holy Spirit, how do you help me go through this? And you let peace be your guide. All right, I have God's peace about this. Now we'll move forward in this. And then I love this, that Paul lets them in on refreshment. And he brings refreshment to them. And some of you, you are in a storm right now, and I've got some great spiritual advice for you in the middle of your storm. Are you ready? Eat something. Just eat something right now, okay? Now, you see, see, right now, the time for you, it's way too precious for you to, to not pray. You're way, way too busy to not pray. You got way too much going on to not come in and just get some spiritual sustenance. And you have way too much anxiety in the middle of this to not come and just worship. Too anxious to not worship. And, and it's, too, it's bearing down on you too hard and isolating you way too much for you to avoid fellowship and connections with others. You know, it's in the middle of storms that we go and we isolate, we push ourselves to the side, and it's, we need the exact opposite. Now is not a time to trust your feelings or your comfort. It's just to take the nourishment and the refreshment that you know you need. And God is so gracious. The eye of the storm, it often offers some amazing connection with Jesus. I mean, have you ever experienced that? Like, oh man, that that was horrible. I would never want it again. But boy, my walk with God. The presence of Jesus was just so thick. And I know there's sometimes in storms, it's like, there's just wind. You can't see him anywhere. Like, and you just have to trust and know that he's there. But there'll be moments where you have this refreshment and don't miss this sweet, sweet time where you get to clo- get close with Jesus and connect with him like you never have at any other time in your life. Don't waste the opportunity. And you can have peace in every single storm. And do you know where it's found? In the eyes of Jesus. I'm just going to look to you, Lord, in the midst of this. I'm just going to look at you. I'm just going to be with you. You are my shelter. You're my safety. You're my refuge, my high tower in the midst of it. What an opportunity to learn to trust, to follow. What an opportunity to learn to be near. All right, let's see how it ends. So in verse 39, When daylight came, they didn't recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach. Where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes and held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. And the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. You know, one of the things that I've noticed is that when we go through difficulties, doesn't God, isn't he gracious sometimes just to put that right person there? It just kind of helps us out. I've seen friends go through court, go through difficult times, and God just gives them like the right lawyer, the right judge, the right person who just, who helps them through the storm. He's watching out for you, okay? And he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to get to land. And the rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. And in this way, everyone reached land in safety. Now, I think it's significant that the thing that they were hoping and the thing that they were trusting, it was breaking apart and it had to break apart for them to ride it in, right? Now, if God said, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. In scripture, you know what it says? You're going to make it. He's gonna see you through. He's going to deliver you, he's going to walk you through. You're gonna walk through the fire, but you will not be burned. You'll come through the waters, but they will not overtake you. And will you go in the fire? Yes. Will you go through the water? Yes. But you're gonna make it. This guy, you maybe you've heard of him, his name is Roy Sullivan. Worked for the Park Service for his career. One day he was out um, over by this, uh, this mail thing, I don't even know what it was, and lightning came and boom, and it hit him, and you can see right there in his hat. And that was the first time. And then the second time he was out working and he got hit by lightning again and then knocked him down and it singed off his eyebrows and it burned his watch, but he was okay. And then he got hit by lightning a third time. And then a fourth time. And then a fifth time. And then he got hit by lightning a sixth time. And he holds the world record because this guy has been hit by lightning seven different times. One time in his own garden. And by the way, his wife got hit by lightning once too. What on earth is going on, right? Now, you have a a one in 10,000 chance that you're going to get hit by lightning. All right? Now, his odds go up a little more because of his profession, but the chances of you getting hit by lightning seven times is one in 10 to the 28th power. 28 zeros. That's the chances of getting hit seven times. I don't know what the chances are of surviving it, but here's what I know. Lightning is not taking Roy. Right? That that's not the way he's going. And if God says you're going to make it, you're going to make it. The word says that you're going to make it when it's all said and done, you will make it. You will be more than a conqueror. And when the time is done, listen, there is nothing to fear. And you know what the storm it may take some things from you. It may take some things. But only you can allow it to take your hope. That belongs to you. Only you can allow it to take your faith. Only you can decide, okay, this storm is going to take my purpose. I don't have purpose anymore because I lost this and I went through this. Only you can decide that that the storm is going to take your joy. Only you can decide that this storm is going to take your walk with Jesus. He's going to bring you through the storm. You know, I, I had uh, actually, God showed me a little picture last night during worship I wanted to share with you. And, and you're going to go through some storms, but, but as I was worshiping, I, I saw like this hurricane, and there were a bunch of people, and they were way up above it on a balcony, just kind of looking down below it. And I, I prayed through it, I was like, Lord, what are, what are you saying? And, and I just felt like that you need to know that there's some storms that because of your walk in Jesus, other people are going to go through, and you're just going to kind of watch it go by that you're not gonna dive into everything. And so there's gonna be storms in our country and you don't have to jump into every storm. Some of them, now some storms you're gonna go through, but other ones, you're kept. And I want you to know that He is keeping you and He's watching over you and I want you to know that you can trust Him. So whatever storm you face, don't waste it. Look to Him and walk to Him. Now I asked uh, Eric to, uh, to finish with this song, and it, it's a, an important song to me. So it was, it's a Richmond song, an old song. Eric told me that uh, it was four years old when he was written. So, all right, that made me feel good. But uh, this song is called uh, Ready for the Storm. And it was actually, uh, it was shortly after I had given my life to Jesus. And uh, it just so happened at that time that I was working, I was a, a roofer, we do hot tar roofing and cold roofing. And, and um, I got shipped out to Holyoke with all these roofers and I was just living there and I was just so alone. And I, I was, my whole life was changing and I was trying to figure out who Jesus was. And, and there was a time where God really was just teaching me like I am enough. You got nothing else out here and I'm enough. And, and I went through the song I just played, it was on repeat. Ever have a song that just kind of get you through it? And, and it just got me through it. And, and it's, I am ready for the storm. And I just want you to know you are ready for the storm. So as, uh, he sings the song. Thank you for doing that. And he brought it up maybe a decade or two. It's they changed it a little bit. But uh, let it, you can sing it if you want. You can worship or just let it wash over you and look at these lyrics. And just know that in him, he's going to take you through and that you're ready. So Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, that you see us, that you know us. We thank you that you're caring for us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just minister readiness to us. Just an assurance, Lord, of who we are in you. In whatever we face, whatever our country, whatever this world goes through, Lord, we're solid, we're standing on the rock that is greater than us. And Lord, that you will keep our footsteps firm. In Jesus' name, amen.